Have you ever wondered what goes into actually creating a tech company or a tech solution? Maybe you've thought of podcasting, but you are not entirely sure what even goes into it. Today, I'm talking to Rock and Zach, the co-founders of Squadcast, and hopefully they'll be able to tell us a little bit more about it. If you've ever felt alone, misunderstood, or like your story didn't matter, you've come to the right place. Welcome to Pretty Sure, the podcast where we explore the fun in life's ups and downs. Join me, your host, in a mix of guests from friends to thought leaders, artists, entrepreneurs, and experts for some raw, unfiltered, and frankly, hilarious conversations. We'll chat about our struggles as millennials, the joys and pains of being single or in a relationship, life and biz lessons, and some inspiring takeaways too, because remember, no topic is ever off the table for us. Hi, I'm Sabrina, your new best friend, and every week you can expect kindness, support, and some tough love, because you'll be damn sure I'm going to be calling you out on your shit when you need it most. Pretty sure we're in for a wild ride, so saddle up and let's go! Okay, everybody, welcome back to another episode of Pretty Sure Podcast. I'm beyond honored because like I told you guys at the beginning of the season, I was making it my focus to talk to more podcasters, more podcast insiders, who I like to call them, you know, tech founders, people that have created these solutions for podcasters. So on a normal sunny day in December, I think it was, or January, I can't remember when it was, um, I reached out to Zach on a very random Instagram message. And I was like, hey, would you ever want to come on my podcast? He graciously said yes. And here we are a couple of months later. So I would love for you guys to welcome Rock and Zach, the co-founders of Squadcast. Hey, guys. Hey. Hey, Sabrina. Really glad you sent me that message and that we could put this together. Yeah. Oh, my God. Honestly, I had been wanting to interview either you guys or your competitors. Sorry to mention them, Sengaster. <laughs> Totally fine. All good. On the show. Yeah. Um, but I actually told you, Zach, you know, I used to use Zencaster because they had the video trial first. And I, when you told me like, oh, Squadcast is releasing video, I was like, yes, this is what I need in my life. Yeah. The, thankfully, uh, you know, a lot of podcasters have been telling us for, for a while, right, that we had video for the conversation so that you could have the body language and eye contact. But that leaves kind of the the desire to want to mm. record that video as well. So it uh, took us a little while to build it. Some uh, really, really awesome technical challenges involved. And I'm really glad that we, you know, put it through its paces and, and we're patient with it. I think it's paying off. Yeah, well, I'm very excited for you guys. Before we dive deep into all the tech and all the history between you, how you started and everything, I'd love it if you could each give me a nutshell of your story. Nice. You want to go for a sec? Go for it. <laughs> nutshell of my story. So born in Fresno, but Sacramento, I call it's like my hometown. I now live in Oakland and I love podcasting. So have, working at a company and starting a company that helps podcasters create their content in high quality is uh, something I really, really am proud of just because I've always admired creators. So it's a real blessing to be able to do this every day. Yeah. And Rock and I go way back. We're longtime friends. And Rock introduced me to podcasting as a listener because I really loved it because it's a way to go deep on on a topic very quickly. Learn a lot. I, I love learning. And my background is more in software engineering and also graphic design and fine art. So putting those pieces together, I love empowering other people 
to be creative. And with Squadcast, that is kind of compounded because we have this collaborative creative experience where we can uh, record, you know, audio and video together from from anywhere in the world. So that's been our journey for the last like four plus years. And I'm really glad that we uh, can be in service of so many podcasters. I love that. And I have so many questions. First of all, how did you guys meet? You say you go way back. So like, you know, did you go to high school together? Did you meet in college? Friends of friends? Are you secretly brothers? Like, what's the story here? <laughs> we went to high school together. Uh, we went to high school together. I am, we're like a handful of years difference, but my brother is also a member of our team with Squadcast. And I think, Rock, you were originally friends with with Vince. And I'm very close with my brother. So I spent a lot of time Back then, really just focused on, I was focused more on art back then. I went to art school um, after high school, but Rock and I kept in touch and uh, have always been really, really good friends and talk about kind of other people doing interesting things in podcasting and technology. And we had very different career paths, but we still found a way to uh, remain friends and now, you know, really grateful that we can be business partners together. I love that. So Zach, you mentioned that Rock introduced you to podcasting. So Rock, were you a podcaster before? Were you just a big fan? Like how, how did that happen? Just a big fan, big, big time listener, and just never really understood why it wasn't more mainstream. More people were aware or understood that they had access to this app on their phone with all of this amazing content. And so I figured it was inevitable that it would be more mainstream and more uh, widely listen to. But then I also figured that folks were going to want to create a podcast too. They'd listen to you know, some of their fit favorite shows like Fresh Air or Recode Decode and think like, hey, I'm having a great conversation with so-and-so. Like we should, we should record this. So I thought that was also inevitable. So when uh, Zach kind of, I hesitate to call it pitched me, but <laughs> it wasn't a very eloquent pitch. Yeah. Well, and it was, you were just telling me what was on your mind. But when you told me about the idea that became Squadcast, I was just like this, I love podcasting. I've been waiting to make a move to something more independent and entrepreneurial and getting behind podcasting. was really easy to get excited about. And then uh, just also this intersection of not just podcasting, but remote collaboration, remote content creation him and I had both been exposed to that in our previous careers. So we felt like the intersection of that and podcasting was going to be two awesome waves to ride. And, um, and here we are a few years later. So it's been a great ride. Okay. I still have a ton of questions. <laughs> First of all, did you ever envision like both of you or either of you to be leading like a tech company at some point or be entrepreneurs yourselves or like kind of what drove you to do that? So I always wanted to do something entrepreneurial, not just because like, I, I didn't want to, I have no aspirations to like be my own boss and tell other people what to do, but it's more so being a part of something from the ground level and working as a team to build it into something incredible. And the tech company seemed like the most fun and inspiring way to do that. I, don't, I can't say like, I always like felt like I would do it. I was more of someone that was on the sidelines thinking like, that would be awesome if I could do it. And then I just started to have more confidence and belief in myself that I could do it. And then when Zach uh, came to me with the idea for, for Squadcast, I was like, well, the tech's good because I trust Zach like wholeheartedly. So <laughs> you know, is there a business? Is there a need? Our podcaster is going to really want and pay for this so that we can you know, make this incredible next step in our lives. And so it was really serendipitous when he asked me about if I wanted to go in on this journey with him because I was already like kind of hoping for that. And mm -hmm. uh, we haven't looked back since. How about you, Zach? Yeah, I'll just add that we have very complementary skills. 
And I've learned a tremendous amount from Rock and his background in finance and business. And I think I've heard you say in the past that you've learned a lot about the technology and kind of how modern applications are built and can scale and serve so many people. So I think we have a, a kind of a shared appreciation for the the focus of each other's career and background. And that is like a symbiotic relationship. So we also really love finding opportunities to learn new things and very quickly put that into practice. Like neither one of us pretend to be experts. I don't think really in anything, but we try to be really efficient and active learners and then putting that knowledge, not just stopping there, but putting it into practice. And that's one of the things that I love about being a first time startup founder is that I had read a lot of books. I had followed kind of technology and other founders and stuff like that. And I didn't really have kind of a a venue or a playground to put that into practice. So Squadcast is amazing because of that. Like we can learn something from a podcast and then next day or same day sometimes put that into practice. And in some cases that has really, really moved the needle for our business and our product and our customers. So that's just really a beautiful thing. I think like learning from podcasts, how to work on a company that is serving so many people creating podcasts. Like that's really cool to me. Oh my God. Yes. A hundred percent. I love that, that you guys compliment each other. I feel like you'll tell me later on with a couple of questions that I have, but you'll tell me later on about how it works working with your friend together and like, you know, each having your own skills. But Zach, now tell me, how did you even get the idea of starting Squadcast? Yeah. We actually pivoted. We did not want to start a start a startup or um, you know a technology company. We wanted to do a kind of a creative side project, a a science fiction audio drama that was really inspired from some of the early shows like uh, the Bright Sessions and really these very scripted, sound designed, narrative kind of serial storytelling audio pieces were just very cool to me. I think when I first found the Bright Sessions, my, my wife and I like devoured it in like two days and uh, was just like, we should do this. And this will be a lot of fun because I was kind of burnt out in my day job, like writing code and technology stuff can can have that effect sometimes if you're not really passionate about what you're doing. I used to work in the government before Squadcast. So that was kind of where I was at. But always looking for ways to have side projects, whether that be an open source software teaching other people like graphic design or software engineering. But I wanted to get outside of my comfort zone. I, I mentioned, uh, you know, that I part of my background was in fine art. And I thought this was a really interesting way to have a collaborative side project. Usually it was just kind of me tinkering with something after hours that just kind of stayed in a folder on my computer somewhere. But with this one, I was like, oh, my my good friend Harrison is a decorated playwright and also a huge science fiction nerd, kind of like me. And... I had written a, a technical book, so I kind of knew what it took to write something like that. And then my brother, Vince, who I mentioned before, our you know mutual friend, and um, Vince is an audio engineer and sound designer. So I was like, this will be really great to collaborate. The catch, <laughs> the catch was is that we were kind of spread out in California. So getting together in a physical studio when we lived in different cities was only really going to happen maybe once a month if we were really kind of about our business. And that just seemed kind of untenable. Like we would not be able to have any kind of regular cadence, which is so critical to any podcast success is that that yeah. commitment over long, uh, long periods of time. 
So that's really where this creative, this constraint came from where like we needed to record remotely to have any kind of regular cadence with, with that show. Um, and that's really where we kept assuming that that was a solved problem, like this ability to record quality audio from different locations. And uh, because podcasting had been around for a little while at that point, we just kept assuming it's a solved problem. It's a solved problem. And um, we kept asking OG podcasters and doing our research and looking for the answer and just kept coming up empty handed. That's really where we saw an opportunity to, uh, to well, it was frustrating at first, to be quite frank. And then I think I was... Um, kind of lamenting to my brother Vince over text messages like I don't know if this is actually going to happen if we can't record you know quality what's what's really the point uh, so that's really where we took a step back and said well there's probably opportunities to build something new here I had also done my internship on on the Google Chrome team and uh, been exposed to how Google builds these really awesome scaled applications and also kind of what modern web technologies could do in terms of audio video real-time communication um, some of the kind of building blocks that are needed for an application like Squadcast. So the timing felt right. Like, okay, nothing really ha- meaningful had been done. And these new technologies have come online. And we have this problem ourselves. Let's build something. Uh, so that's really where it stayed for about a week or two. And then at some point, I thought to myself, like, if we have this problem, chances are other podcasters have this problem and want a solution. And that's when I picked up the phone and called Rock and, and pitched him on, you know, this idea of not just a product, um, but the potential for a company or a business around that product. Yeah, well, I mean, they say, what's that phrase? I always butcher phrases. I keep telling my listeners, I'm like, if you hear a wrong phrase, I'm sorry, I tried my best. But I think it goes, necessity is the mother of invention, right? I think that's it. Yeah, you I nailed I'm it. I am saying it right. <laughs> It's like a thing in either language that I speak. You know, my parents are Mexican, so I speak, well, my mom's Mexican. So I speak to her in Spanish and I still butcher all the phrases. And she's just like, Sabrina, just stop saying phrases. And I'm like, it's funny. But yeah, that's so fascinating. And so after he called you, Rock, what, like, did you just go into business building mode and you were like, okay, how do we get finances? Like, what was the next step afterwards? So this was the not the first time that he had approached me about some idea that he had. And I just thought he was just looking for friendly advice. He knew my background was in the financial and business realm. And, you know, I had been exposed to some legal stuff as well. So I figured that he was just trying to get my my input on it, see if uh, it was something that he wanted to pursue. But when he asked me to be his co-founder, like I said, I was already looking to make a a significant change in my career path. So I'd already been mentally and financially preparing myself for that. And so when he, again, uh, pitched me the idea and it was in podcasting and remote collaboration for podcasters, um, it was really just about going and doing my own research to see like, okay, is this something that the industry needs, the industry wants? Um, and then, yeah, take it from there as far as like how we would organize and what type of team we would build. Cause I mean, you know, we definitely have complementing skill sets, but we're, we're not the complete package, just the two of us for, to build a team around and, uh, to build a company. But so that's where we started. We didn't really think about the, the financing too much. I, I mean, it was really just a lot of research. Like, uh, we watched this YouTube series put on by Y Combinator called how to start a startup which was pretty good to get the ins and outs of like what to expect, how to think about this, this type of decision. Well, one of the things that really hit me, and this was like that same weekend after Zach had uh, talked to me about Squadcast, 
his idea for Squadcast. Um, one of the first episodes of that YouTube series, they were like, this is like an eight year journey. And I remember like on my couch was like, wait, what? <laughs> like, that's a long time. Am I going to want to do this for eight years? And it's like, uh, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's like, everything takes time. There's no such, I knew I was already aware that there's like no such thing as a overnight success or, or to, to be like you and forget the phrase. It's like, you know, it takes a few years to be an overnight success. Yeah. There's some <laughs> more elegant way to say that, but I'm sure we all get the gif. Anybody listening that listens to our podcast knows I'm, I'm just like you, I, Sabrina. I kind of <laughs> mess up sayings too. So you're not alone. Great. I feel that. Yeah. So it was just a lot of research and just trying to understand like, what is it to be a founder? What's it like to start a, a tech company and, and, and just go Was it there. ever like, did it ever make you guys nervous that you were friends and also starting a business or like, how did you approach that? Cause I know for a lot of people, it's like a big concern. There's this whole don't mix pleasure and money, right? Yeah, Absolutely. I got asked this recently on another podcast, and it, it's, a, it's a question that I think is really good because I think common sense or uh, just what people tell you would say, hey, it's it could get a little dicey working with friends. The thing, though, about Zach that it was a no-brainer for me was I knew he was incredibly talented, especially when it came to uh, his design eye, his design mind, his software mind. So like, I, I was really confident about that. And one thing that was not a question in my mind was – loyalty, trust. Like I, I really trust, I've known him and his family for quite some time. And I just know that they're trustworthy people. If this doesn't succeed, it's not going to be because he screwed me over or something like that. It's going to be because there was either better competition. We were just not that good at executing. So I was like, I'll take that bet any day. I'll bet on him and me over anything or anyone else. My real concern being someone that was coming from a, an accounting uh, more conservative background was what I, was I going to be able to keep up? Was I going to be able to evolve and be able to be that tech CFO that the company and Zach needed as a as a partner? That's that was my concern. And again, I was like, I'll take that bet. I'll bet on myself. I love that. What about you, Zach? Well, thank you, thank you for uh, <laughs> hearing me right. out and doing that. I mean, uh, I never looked back and. Yeah, it, that it was more so the opportunity cost of not doing anything seemed very high as well. Um, we were very much of the mindset for multiple months when we first started, like, we have to be wrong about this. Like, we, we, we have to be wrong. So, like, let's try to prove ourselves wrong. And that was very much the exercise because neither one of us, both of us had successful careers, like, all, all that stuff. And neither one of us wanted to work on something that was like a solved problem or that just was kind of trivial. There's a lot of startups that kind of fall into that category. Uh, not knocking anybody who does that. I'm just saying for me personally to take on the risk of like, you know, my financial situation, uh, my financial future, things like that, right? You start to kind of, I mean, any kind of investment is risky, but investing in a startup and then is risky, but then founding a startup is risky and then uh, is, is riskier. And then we chose to your point, your question about financing, we chose to uh, self-fund. We chose to bootstrap our startup. So that required us to maintain our day jobs for uh, kind of an undisclosed, unknown amount of time. Mm -hmm. So that was really where like rock, I was worried about my capacity to keep up. Like when I started studying this, it became clear to me that founders that don't keep up are often 
the reason that their company doesn't like they can't your company's going to evolve whether it's it's a question of not whether or not you are going to evolve along with it you can get left behind by your company um you could get left behind by your co-founder so i think I don't remember us talking about this necessarily like explicitly rock, but it sounds like we had similar anxiety (laughs) where it's like, you know, do I have what it takes? This is a marathon. Mm -hmm. You could say it's like marathons inside of marathon. And then also just looking up to a lot of other tech founders and companies and teams like, it's a, it's an audacious thing to do. It's not something you do every day to say, I'm going to step in this arena and pretend like I know what I'm doing until we get it right. Right. Like that's something where I think our focus on, on learning right as we go is a big part of that is just like, we, we don't pretend to know what we're doing. We, we just research everything. And thankfully, you know, we, uh, we've built up a really great team and, and that includes people who have been there before us and being able to learn from people who this is not their first startup. Yeah. This is not the first time they've done marketing or any of those things like is a, is a tremendous asset that, you know, we, we wouldn't be where we are today without uh, our founding advisor, Harry Duran, all of our advisors, the team at tiny seed, our team at Squadcast, like Vince and Alex and, and now, you know, Ariel and Jean, like it's just incredible to see all of those pieces like are major contributing factors to like here, you know, this interview today. I love that the both of you mentioned that you didn't want to be left behind. So what does that mean for each of you? Like what does being left behind by your company or by your co-founder mean? I mean, there's just a, a lot of demands that are put on us. We have to learn all sorts of things on the fly and, and uh, yeah. technology and business moves fast. Podcasting is, is evolving too and moving fast. We, I came in totally feeling like an outsider. Like, of course I have this experience in business and in the financial world, but like I was just a podcast listener. I didn't really understand what it was like to be a podcaster, a, a content creator, but also didn't understand what it was like to be a, a founder of a tech company or a SaaS company, like a, a niche within the, the larger tech industry. So it's all stuff that we had to become aware that we're in this environment and then learn and adapt yeah. on and then eventually evolving uh, as we go. But I, that's my favorite thing about this gig is that I like, like I do really well with pressure, like pressure makes mm-hmm. me a better person and it's helping me grow in so many different ways. So I really, I, I'm looking for that pressure because I don't want to let the team down. I don't want to let myself down. I don't want to let our customers down and now all that stuff, yeah. you know, I, I do sleep well at night, so I'm not trying to make it seem like it's all, <laughs> it's, it's totally like anxiety filled, but it, for me, I found that that kind of pressure brings out the best in me. Mm, I like that. What about you, Zach? I, I agree with Rock. It can be it can be heavy to have so many people put their trust in our technology and our company. And creating content is is hard enough. So earning the trust to be an integral part of that creation process, that collaboration process, is very meaningful to us. I mean, you know, I have like technical answers to your question about like scalability and like new technologies coming and, and going. Like, I think anybody who's been in software engineering has a similar kind of feeling where there is, it feels like you're stepping into like this river, mm-hmm. you know, and I believe like the, the, the poem from Amanda Gorman is coming to mind from the inauguration a few months ago where like, our, our heritage is something that we step into. It's not something that we like inherit, you know? So I, that's what it feels like to me is that technology is moving, whether you're along for the ride or not. So you need to kind of, to some extent, be prepared 
to step into that, but then also keep swimming, you know, and, and, uh, and technology isn't even all of the demands on rock and I it's, it's part of the equation, but things like pricing or hiring or just, just decision plan, planning for the future, decision-making there's, there's all these things where we have also learned that, you know, being decisive is a really critical skill that I didn't necessarily have intrinsically before, before Squadcast, along with a, a host of other things that I, I think are easy to overlook. But there's the, another way to say it is that there are all these potential pitfalls. Like people talk about how many startups mm-hmm. fail, right? That's like a common thing people talk about that might actually be one of the most common ways people bring up startups is that they, they are known for failing. We didn't want to fail. You know, so it's like, that's another way to, to look at it is like, how do we de-risk this situation? How do we avoid pitfalls? How can we get in front of these things and really like embrace that moment mm-hmm. and step into it? So that's really, uh, you know, I'm grateful to say that that anxiety that I had anyway was was pretty, pretty misplaced. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I've grown to be more comfortable with it these days. <laughs> Well, they do say, and I'm not even going to try to attempt to make a phrase out of this, but they do say that you can't fail, right? It's all a big learning lesson. So excuse my non-phrase here, but okay. What has been (laughs) the hardest thing for you guys since starting Squadcast? It could be on anything. It could be like your personalities, a learning moment, running the actual business. Like what's one thing that you're like, damn, I wish I would have known it was this hard before. (laughs) I think for me, it's patience. I'm, I can be a patient person, but at the same time, I'm not, if that makes any sense. Like I, 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 and I'm all, and I'm in, I have a very (laughs) insatiable attitude. Like I can always think of how things are better or how we, you know, like we, we hit one milestone and then I'm just thinking about the next without maybe uh, basking in the, the goodness of reaching those milestones enough. And yeah, it's just, I think just it's patience. Cause like, I have a very long-term mindset. This is all about setting uh, not just myself, but the company for long-term success. Mm-hmm. So I understand the power of, of patience and that just time and effort and consistency accumulate over time and really create beautiful things. I think Tony Robbins says like people overestimate what they can do in a year, but underestimate what they can do in 10 years. And so it's kind of that mindset, but day to day in my head, I am not patient and it drives me crazy, even though all of my actions suggest that I am patient, setting myself up for the success. So my mind is a jungle, if that makes any sense. <laughs> I mean, it's very fitting with all the trees in the background. So, it would make <laughs> nice, Zach, your yeah. hardest thing. Self awareness for the win um, <laughs> on that one, and the hardest part for me, and I'm I'm grateful that I have been able to put this into practice over the course of our, of you know, this marathon that that we're running in right now, is that like. I, the biggest mistake that I have made as the CTO and like lead developer of Squadcast was progressive upload is a technology that's core to Squadcast. It is how we both deliver quality and reliability, even in the worst case scenario. And now that is patent pending, we're very proud to say, but credit where it's due, that was our founding advisor, Harry Duran's idea. And it took us like nine or 10 attempts to get that right. And I'm grateful that we did because that's the foundation of video recording. That's what's happening right now while we're having this conversation times three. And that just blows my mind. But on like attempt number eight of progressive upload, we thought we had it right. And we had uh, we had plans to sponsor podcast movement that year in Philadelphia. 
the largest conference in in the podcast industry. Mm-hmm. We're proud to sponsor that. And uh, I thought it was ready. We had tested it. It was all good. And I rolled that update out right before getting on the plane to go to Philadelphia. And the plan was, is that, hey, we have this new awesome feature. We're going to be at this event and it's going to be all good. It was not all good. It was a huge mistake. And a lot of people got bit by that uh, issue that I caused. So that's what I'm just kind of an example of what I mean when I say that it's heavy, right? Like mm-hmm. it, um, having so many people depend on you is it can be heavy. So that is the only time in my software engineering career where I've had to roll an update back. And I still think that's a pretty good record given all the, given all the updates that I have rolled out in my time, but it still really gave me a lot of pause. And we came full circle. We got up and dusted ourselves off and, and fixed the issue and got our customers the backups. Thankfully, we have also backup recordings on Squadcast. So nothing was lost because of this, but still I wanted it to succeed. And, you know, it made for a pretty stressful trip for me, for our team overall. Like we still have to show up and be in our booth and, you know, meet people and say that everything's awesome, even though we know this kind of thing is happening in the background that we're trying to trying to make right for everybody. So, you know, that is really something that I'm proud of that we were able to bring that full circle. And to bring this example full circle, I, I, I stated when, when I started speaking that I've had an opportunity to improve on this and put it into practice. And that I would say was with was something that we did when we launched video recording in January of this year is we had it in private beta for more than two months, internal private beta for more than two months before we felt confident to roll it out. And I'm so grateful that we we did that because it was ready. You know, we uh, it, it may have been ready even before that, but we knew we were for sure. And one thing about Squadcast is we're always working to foster, you know, a positive reputation and we're really proud of earning that with so many people. So we're not eager to squander that because we're impatient with shipping this next feature, this next feature. So it's kind of this this tug of war, this this push and pull. Like we're all so excited, we know this is coming, it's going to be great for our customers and our business. But like if we take that step and we stumble, that can really hurt us. So yeah. I'm I'm grateful that we learned that lesson and and we're not repeating it. <laughs> Good lesson to learn. And by the way, if you guys are going to podcast movement, I'm actually trying to go this year. So I might just pop oh, yeah. in and say awesome. hi once I'm there. Hopefully COVID permits. Yeah. I don't even know what I'm doing next month with my life, but you know, bought my ticket, so I'm going either way. Something like something will that's happen, awesome. Right? <laughs> yeah. We we fingers uh, crossed. Yeah, that's the plan. It'll be so cool, you know, and it's this kind of thing that you were talking about how you collaborate with people nowadays, post COVID world or like between COVID world, I don't even know what we could call it, (laughs) where you're talking to people all over the world. And then it's like you go to these events and you're like, wow, I met you online. And then now we're actually meeting in person. Like it just still blows my mind. I look so it's really cool. Yeah. And just to add some context to Zach's story, that that podcast movement was in the summer of 2018, which was the time that Zach and I first quit our day jobs and jumped into working on Squadcast full time. So there was a lot of emotion wrapped up in this where it's like, <laughs> what are we doing? Like, did, are, is this, is this really going to work out? Like that was the, that was probably the the most doubt that I had about Squadcast other than before, which would actually happen at another podcast movement was back in 2017 when we first debuted Squadcast to the podcast community and really became a part of the community. Both of those times, I, I for me, were the highest levels of uncertainty. 
I love the realness. <laughs> and I was going to ask you guys, I totally, the question slipped my mind. I kept it in my mind while you both I'm were sorry. speaking. I was like, don't forget it, Sabrina. Don't forget it, Sabrina. Don't forget it. Of course, I forgot it. <laughs> it's going to come back to me. Good. Um, but okay. Give me the tech for dummies version of how exactly it was to build Squadcast on the behind the scenes. Like what actually goes into it? Because I think as users, we don't really think about it. And we sometimes, you know, we get frustrated about, oh, we don't have video recording or like, oh, this crashed or my recording sounds awful. But like tech for dummies, what goes into actually creating this whole product for podcasters? Uh, a lot goes into it. I think that's fair to say. And I appreciate your your empathy here because not everybody, you know, not everybody's aware of those things. So that's totally cool. And to answer your question, we've actually, you know, we built Squadcast and then we got that from beta to V1. And that's the app that we're using right now. So you can think of that as like the pixels and the buttons and the mm -hmm. video and the real-time conversation, your account and all that stuff. That's the app that everybody uses. But then there's like a bunch of backend services that run in the cloud. And that cloud is what empowers us to provide a service that is scalable no matter where you are in the world. So we have the, the privilege of helping people record in like over 130 countries. Last year in 2020, we helped record over a decade of quality audio wow. just to kind of give you a sense of that scale there. So I don't even know what the file size of that would be. I, I could look it up, but this is what I mean when I say scale, but everybody gets the same experience on Squadcast, right? So it feels like this is Sabrina's private Squadcast recording studio mm -hmm. that that has your recordings and all of those things. But we help more than 13,000 podcasters record their shows and and several factors greater than that of guests that they're recording with on a regular basis. Uh -huh. So to do all that stuff, we have a lot that goes into it. And to come back to it, we, we built the app and that was in beta. And then when we got that to stable, so fixing all the issues that came up, making sure that the recordings, the primary recordings were delivered successfully, reliably, more than 99% of the time was how we define stability. And then once we reached that goal, this may sound counterintuitive, but we immediately decided to rebuild the whole thing. This technology that we built it on was not going to continue serving us over time. And this is what I mean in, in my analogy of the river of technology. That was the state of the art, latest and greatest from you know engineers at Google at the time. Um, but by the time we had gotten from beta to V1, about a year's time, it, that was already deprecated and considered like old school. Uh, so this is the rate of innovation that we embrace and uh -huh. celebrate. So we completely threw all that away, rebuilt it from scratch. We knew a lot of things. We had learned a lot of things about how to do things well. So a lot of that, uh, a lot of the ideas and concepts did carry over, but everything needed to be rebuilt. In addition to that, we're constantly making improvements to the the back end I mentioned. So front end and back end are kind of two, two sides to the same coin. And this is a modern software architecture is, is this kind of thing, but we tend to think of it as like one back end. What is more common and easier to scale and more reliable is uh, something called microservices. All that means is you have a bunch of different servers that have one thing that they do and they do that. That's it. They don't have to worry about the audio recording. They don't have to worry about the payment processing. And that allows us to have focus and also update and scale these pieces independently of one another. So 
that all runs uh, for our, for, in our case, you may have heard of like Amazon Web Services or AWS. Um, so I think the, the, the biggest public cloud. Uh, we run on Google Cloud Platform, which is kind of a, a parallel, a competitor to that and allows us to provide this really seamless experience where you hit stop and your files show up immediately and you have backup recordings and you know it's easy to invite your guests and all of those things. So it's something that I had personally, to zoom out for a second, I had never built an app of this scale before Squadcast. I had never needed to. The biggest apps that I had worked on were in the California state government. So you can think about that like that's a, the state of California is pretty big. There's a lot of constituents in California, but you don't have to worry about time zones. You don't have to worry about compliance or regulation in other countries. You don't have to worry about like internet connectivity in places like Iran or Chimera. Like there's all kinds of considerations with a, an, an application that is global scale on day one that um, are other examples of just kind of learning on the fly and and putting this into practice. So that microservice architecture, API first, all of those buzzwords, like that was me like researching and watching videos on YouTube and reading books and like Kubernetes, what cluster, what, like all, all of these different technologies that you don't even really think about that exist that um, are integral to, uh, to modern, you know, web applications of this kind. So yeah. we're really, really proud of that technology and the innovations it's led to with the two patents pending that uh, I mentioned before. And that just blows my mind. We were skeptical of that too. And, um, you know, I'm glad that we did it. Oh my God. It's crazy. You definitely don't think about this as a user. You're just like, okay, cool. Like it's pretty, it looks nice. I can click stop, record, everything's fine. If I have a problem, I'll just chat with someone and be like, please help me. But you don't ever think yeah. about like how you guys are freaking out in the background of like, oh my God, you know, this happened. How do we fix it? Or like, ah, you know, so it's really. Or how are credit cards stored? That was something else. I mean, it's like that, that's something that it's yeah. like, I didn't know how that worked at all. Yeah. The support team, there's a bunch of tools that are, you can think of uh, like Squadcast, we serve podcasters, right? Um, but there's a bunch of technology companies that serve companies like Squadcast. And doesn't really impact your experience all that much other than you can reliably say that your credit card is secure because there's this company that that's all they focus on is just being compliant with credit card regulations and security standards. So you can think of it like building blocks. And we use a lot of building blocks as well. And we have some of our own custom things. And that's really where the intellectual property comes in. I'm fascinated by this because I honestly have no clue what half of the things that you just mentioned are. I just know that this works and I'm like, hey, cool. I'll leave the tech to the people that know their tech. I'm just going to focus on my thing. Now I want to talk a little bit about audio. So you guys know, and you're probably aware, and everyone listening knows that audio is having like a hot minute right now. Everyone wants to go on Clubhouse. Everyone wants to start on a podcast. What do you guys think the future of audio is going to look like? I mean, it's very exciting. Like I said, when we first started Squadcast in 2016, it was always puzzling to me why more people weren't interested or focused on podcasting, but the last two years have been incredible for podcasting, but just audio in general. So you're absolutely right. You're seeing that the power of voice is becoming more of a thing. And I think it's, um, it's just, there's a lot of words that people will throw around. So it's just more accessible, but it's also perhaps more, uh, it's great at building connections because you're speaking into people's ears. I, I personally like it, uh, specifically podcasting because I like on-demand 
content where I can start it whenever I want. I can pause it or get back to it whenever I need to. It's on my time, not like a, a live stream or a live football game or something like that. Um, I, I, I do, I do like that nature of podcasting and it does feel like a very, it, it, it does, you do kind of build a relationship with your, your audience, your guests, like we're building our relationship here and hopefully we'll see each other at podcast movement and, and beyond. Yeah. Applying to be a speaker. So either way I'm going to go oh, there. So. Oh, right. <laughs> good. Very good. That, awesome. That'll be great. Look forward to that. So I think it's just, and I think the access though is is a great way. Like, especially that's what Clubhouse does really good. I got to give them credit for that. Is like, if you have any aspirations to use your voice to connect with people, that's mm-hmm. a great way to get started to see if and and build some, build your chops, build your skill set up. But uh, the best thing to do is just start doing it. And I, and that's what we always encourage podcasters to do every day. Is you're probably going to not like the way you sound or your show is going to be not fully formed and have the, the tight vision and, and um, you know, sounding as professional as you would like on day one, but give yourself some time, show up consistently over a year or two, you'll be surprised uh, how different your show is after you've, you've given yourself that time. A hundred percent could not agree with you more on that. Yeah. The, the, your point about the future is a good one. One thing that I love about audio is that like, if I'm watching a video, let's say not a huge fan of Facebook, but that's a good example, right? Mm-hmm. If I'm on my newsfeed and I'm watching a video, there's a bunch of other stuff I can look at, right? Like my eyes can kind of wander. I can look at this sidebar. I could look at the notification coming up on my computer kind of over that. I could check my phone. There's all of this kind of things that you could choose to look at in addition to that video. With audio, you kind of have to focus. There's there's only so many things that you can kind of like listen to at once. I've never really tried to push this, but I know even at sometimes at restaurants, I get kind of, it can be kind of overwhelming. It's even weird to think about because I haven't been to a restaurant in so long. Um, but it can be kind of overwhelming hearing so many sounds, right? Like what do you choose to focus on? Mm-hmm. Uh, that sort of thing. But with audio, especially podcasts and things like that, right? Like you, you kind of have to focus. Like there's a, there's kind of an upper limit there that is lower than video. So I think that that's another piece that like, to your point, Rock, about kind of the intimacy of podcasting. It also has a threshold that is just un, untenable if you go over that. And so that's another thing where it kind of requires this uh, level of focus. Yeah. Okay, I have two more questions. I would honestly stay here and talk to you guys for two hours, but not Joe Rogan. So I'm not entirely sure who would want to listen to me for two hours straight. I'm having fun. But <laughs> Oh my God, no, trust me. I would stay here for two hours because I still don't even think I've begun to scratch the surface of what I want to know. But two last questions. One has to do with what would be your biggest tip for any podcaster or any person out there looking to do a startup? Just um, one. To do a to do a startup, uh, not a podcast, right? Yes, either or. Like for podcasters out there, from your perspective, or from startup founders. I'll take the podcast one if you want to take the or one one each of us. Or yeah, uh, that would work perfect. That way we get two okay. Visions. You want to take the startup one, Rock? Yep. Okay. Cool. So, uh, so for for podcasting, I would say you know it's also a marathon. So consistency over time leads to compound interest. That is something we have seen work for many podcasters. So that's my tip. Look for opportunities to improve. Like you're not locked into this rigid show like once a week or every day or something like that, but 
consistency is rewarded in audience growth and in being a voice amongst podcasters. So the consistency of showing up and, uh, and having these conversations is something that is really, really rewarding. Yeah. So we, we talk about the comparisons between starting a podcast and starting a startup all the time. So what he just said, you can actually apply that to starting a startup as well. And my advice or my tip is, I don't think applicable to everybody, but for me, I, I, it's definitely something that I, I truly believe in. And I think it works both for podcasters and, and startup founders is finding a team. Like I'm pretty confident that I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for having Zach as my partner, but also having the rest of our team. But I think our co-founder relationship is honestly why this works. Like, because there's just so much trust, there's so much respect and admiration. And I mean, you've heard us both talk about rather that we didn't want we didn't want to get left behind because we believed that the other one was, we weren't worried about each other. We were worried about ourselves. And I, I, I think little stuff like that is what makes a huge difference. Why after, you know, we're going on our fifth year now and we still feel like we're get, just getting started. Our relationship, our working relationship continues to get stronger and stronger over time because we've realized that this is like, we got a good thing going and this really is what makes it work. So I can't emphasize enough that, like I get if you would want to do your own thing and be a solo founder, solo podcaster. But for me, having a teammate is exactly what I needed and I wouldn't be here without one. Oh, I love that. That's so sweet. And also very applicable in like life in general, right? Like people out there mm-hmm. listening, looking for partners, they can think about that in that certain aspect, right? Or like podcasting, totally. business, whatever it is. I love that. Okay. Last question before we dive into the rapid fire ones, which are my favorite ones. But I asked every single guest that comes on my show this one, and I always get different answers. So I'm very curious to see what you guys are going to say. So wrapping it back up to pretty sure, I'm pretty sure at one point or another, you guys have experienced a thought, a feeling, or maybe a situation where you felt like you were the only ones to live it. So I want to know what that was and what would you tell other people out there that might be in the same situation? I'll go first. So this was, this happened in my, my business career back when I was working at the accounting firm. I thought that I felt like I did not fit in. Like I was, my, my family was not from like a business heritage. I didn't understand anything about golf or poker, all the typical like male (laughs) things that like a bunch of people at the accounting firm, male or female were into. I didn't understand any of that stuff. I just felt like I didn't fit in culturally, even though eventually I did, but I, I just had this feeling that like everyone's going to figure out I don't belong here, that I I was going to get figured out. And then I found out this, about this thing called imposter syndrome. And when someone name, told me that name, I was like, holy cow, like that's exactly how I feel. And then this lady that was telling me about it, she's like, well, I have that too, Rock. And I was like, you, you're, you're brilliant. You're smart. You're great at your job. She's like, no, I, I seriously feel the same way about, about that. And so I've just realized that I think we all have that. And the people that didn't have that, that I worked with, those were the ones to worry about. <laughs> those were the people that were not <laughs> trustworthy, were not the best workers because they thought they had it all figured out. They thought they were hot ish. Yeah. And, and so I think I've just learned to embrace that, but also not let it like not set that ceiling so low. Like there, there needs to be no ceiling. And I think that's the the downside of that imposter syndrome is like you set limits on yourself. And once I stop setting limits, the, great things started happening. Great lesson to learn. Definitely. I think we all go through that. That's like the premise of the podcast, right? It's like, whoever you are, you always go through something. Like, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've done. It's like, you have these moments where you're like, am I good enough? Like, is this what I'm supposed to be doing? 
Absolutely. And I find it really reassuring that, you know, to hear you say that it's like, wow, okay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I find it true at different levels as well. I've, I've experienced this myself. Uh, I'm experiencing it right now to some degree, you know, I feel like just kind of the bigger picture helps with that. And some of the things that, that you shared rock is definitely how I feel about it. But my, my, uh, my answer to your question is more around technology innovation can be a lonely thing. So there's no tutorials for how to build new technology. There's no books written about it. Kind of by definition, it doesn't exist yet. So how could somebody else explain to you or help you with it? And I, I first learned this lesson. I actually was just thinking about this story the other day when I mentioned I did my internship on the Chrome team. And I was a very, very junior, if you even want to call me a software engineer, like I had just kind of started and I was in college for it. And and I had some professors really kind of nudge me and push me along and help me on that journey. And I was having a conversation with one of those, one of those professors, like halfway through and was like, I'm stuck. I need to figure this out. Like, I need your help. And like, I feel like I'm going to die. I've never felt like this. Like I have so much opportunity here and I feel like I'm squandering it. um, If I can't figure this problem out. And he took a look at the code and took a look at what I was doing and kind of the problem I was trying to solve and was like, nobody knows the answer to this, Zach. That's why it's worth working on. Like, there is no right answer here. You, there may not be an answer, but like, if it's possible within like physics, it should be possible. So like, just kind of keep trying, just keep trying. And that's really where I think, you know, innovation can can often lead to that feeling of like, wow, I've, I've never been here before. Nobody has ever been here before. That's weird in a lot of ways. And in some ways now I kind of look to that as some sort of leading indicator that like, okay, we're, we're in kind of a rare air here. We're in kind of a space that has not been explored yet. And like, that's cool on its own. So <laughs> just kind of being comfortable to some degree in that. That's so interesting. I definitely, you know, can relate in some things, not because I've, I'm obviously not a tech person, so I've never created anything. Who knows if I ever will, like time will tell, right? But I think definitely. it happens in other areas, but uh, yes. I don't know. I don't know that I've ever experienced it outside of tech. That's a good question. I'll have to think about that. For me, I think it might be with family, but I'll have to ponder that as well. Like the feeling resonates, but I'm not like, I can't place it if that makes any sense. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like I know I felt that, but I don't know where I could place that in my life. Yeah. Okay. Before we end this interview, let's move on to the rapid fire questions. Tell me the first thing that comes to mind whenever I ask you the question. Okay. Yep. First one, what person dead or alive would you love to have dinner with if you could? Carl Sagan. I'll just okay. say Kathy Wood, just because I'm like a big fan of hers right now. That's a good answer. Love. <laughs> <laughs> Love. Okay. Um, money and COVID aside, if you could go anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? I need the to- Redwoods in California. <laughs> yeah, you're a camper. I-, I was gonna say I need to go visit my mom in San Diego. Plus, there's a lot of good jujitsu out there, so I can hey. do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> it's the simple pleasures in life, right? right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Okay, are you more of an early riser or a night owl? So I'm an early riser. I'm more of a night owl, but it's we changed compliment each other. Compliment each other. <laughs> it's like you're a match made in um, startup heaven. That's all I'm gonna say. So many companies okay. in startup heaven. <laughs> if you could describe yourselves with one word, what would it be? Insatiable. Since I use that. On yep. brand. First one that comes to mind, Zach. <laughs> it's, 
too late. <laughs> I've, already, I've already cycled through. Um, curious. Okay. That's a good one to have when you're a tech founder. I like that. Okay. Um, would you rather have more time or more money? Time. Time. Okay. Favorite movie? My Cousin Vinny. I don't know that one. It's a must watch. Um... First one, first one. Come on, stick with your gut. Casino. Okay. And last one. Who inspires you guys? It's hard to beat Elon Musk for me. I don't always Ooh. agree with him, but inspiring for sure. Yeah, I think it comes down to to my uncle. He just uh, he's he's got like he's dyslexic. He comes from a really damaged background. Uh, he's very like frugal and like was made fun of his entire life. And now like, because he's been patient, because he's really stuck, been consistent with his behaviors. Now he's like living large and the rest of our family members are it, it, like time has really shown that there's uh that there was a method to his madness. So I've really come to respect and appreciate that because it's hard when you're, you're zigging and everyone else is zagging and they're thinking you're some kind of weirdo, but he, he just kept doing himself. And so I really respect and appreciate that as an example for me to live my life. Both are great answers. I love both of them. Very fitting to say Elon Musk because tech and creative and everything, and also your uncle. So nice to have someone in your family like that. Well, you guys, the time is up. Thank you so much for coming on. It has been fascinating. I keep telling people when they ask me, you know, what's your favorite part about podcasting? I'm like, the things I yep. learn. Like, where in my life yeah. in any other situation would I have gotten to talk to two tech founders and them, you know, explaining to me what it takes to launch Squadcast or any app and like the challenges and everything. It's just fascinating to me. So thank you so, so much for agreeing to do this, for coming on, for being so open. And if anyone is listening out there, please compliment us on the quality of the sound because surprise, it's actually being recorded on Squadcast. And yeah. no, I was not paid to say that. Literally, it was my first time using the video part of Squadcast. So very excited to see how it turns out. Yeah. And if you guys want to check them out, you know, go to squadcast.fm, check their Instagram out. They do post some things. I believe you also have a podcast, right? What's the name of your podcast? Yeah, it's called Between Two Mics. Yeah, Love we... that name. So go check out Between Two Mics as well. And I will see you guys next time. Thanks again, Zach and Rock, for coming Thank on. Thank you. Yeah, appreciate it.